feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, a big decision coming from the U.S. Supreme Court, but it's not the Roe v. Wade decision, but liberals are very upset by it, and it affects right in New York the permitting of those who have concealed carry and a number of other levels to it as well. It's really fascinating to see the decision that the Supreme Court came down with and very much siding with the Second Amendment. And a lot of people are saying, well, what does this mean now for New York, but also beyond New York, because this could affect a whole bunch of other states. But it basically is allowing those who are law-abiding citizens saying that you cannot tell them when to carry and not to carry And basically some of the restrictions that were in there before that you had to show that there was stalking and some serious threats for them to be able to have their guns. There's a lot of layers to this that we're going to get into tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. But I want to hear your thoughts in terms of the fact that the Supreme Court has now in a big, big way come down on the side of gun owners, legal gun owners. And the timing's really interesting because, of course, it comes after all these recent shootings that have taken place. And a lot of people were surprised at the timing of this. But if you look at the rules and the Second Amendment and they look at the Constitution, it's a fair decision, I think, in a lot of ways. But I want to hear your thoughts. If you're happy with this decision, if you think it even needs to go further, and what do you think it means for even future decisions coming from this court, because everybody is waiting now still to see what is going to happen with the Roe v. Wade decision, the Dobbs decision, that everybody is wondering, okay, is Roe v. Wade going to be overturned in a potential case? Tomorrow morning, more decisions are coming out from the U.S. Supreme Court. And we've already heard about a lot of threats that have come down, which is outrageous. We're going to talk about that tonight, too, as well, because to me it is absolutely preposterous that these groups have been coming out and blasting these pro-life centers. There have been a number of officials who have seen their homes broken into, and the Jane's Revenge group has been writing messages all over the place. And another group has come out and basically said, hey, guess what? There will be a night of riots If the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, I mean, which to me is just abominable. And the fact that the White House has barely said anything, barely condemned it, to me is also outrageous as well. Very tepidly condemning it, finally saying something. But I mean, how ridiculous and how crazy and how scary is it that they are absolutely picking and choosing which groups can riot, which ones can't. And basically allowing this to happen, which to me is really troubling right now, because I am worried that as time is going on, especially when you look at even the Roe v. Wade case, the fact that that leaked decision came out and there were so many emotions surrounding the leaked decision. And then you kind of let it go. And now it's been a few weeks. 
it's given these groups time to organize. They seem pretty organized, by the way, to begin with, because remember when the leak came right out, there were people already protesting at the Supreme Court like minutes later. So you got to wonder about the orchestration of all of these things. But it's given them a lot of time to basically prepare and to put up signs and to also, as we've seen, sadly, uh, go outside of the Supreme Court justices' homes uh, and also go after pro-life centers and try to. There was one that had a Molotov cocktail. Remember that it happened in the Midwest. I mean, these are scary times and people emotions are riding high. And I wonder if it was a really bad decision to kind of drag it out. If they genuinely needed more time to review it or if they were just kind of, okay, well, maybe if we give it a little more time, things will calm down. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's allowed these groups to organize, to really plan. And I'm very concerned, sadly, what could happen if that decision comes down and they're not happy with it. I mean, you got they got to come down with the right decision, not looking at what the crowd, the mob wants. You know, you don't want to. That's not why which is why you don't have, you have the law in the books that basically says they shouldn't be protesting outside the homes. Remember? I mean, that's why it's there, even though the DOJ and nobody seems to be enforcing it, sadly. But I hope that this time has been because they're trying to plan the crafting of it. I hope they're not being influenced by the mob. And I also hope that the mob has not, had some pretty serious plans. I mean, when you have these groups coming out and saying we're going to have a night of riots, that to me is really, really, really scary. Meantime, by the way, President Biden's got his cheat sheet. Remember when he had the other one that was like, call on this person, talk to this person, say this as a response. I mean, we all know he's almost like a eunuch, you know, and he's like following directions left and right. But now it came out in the last few hours that basically he has a cheat sheet on how to act. Remember the other one? They saw it. It was like that white card, and they were able to look over his shoulder, and it said, you know, here is what you should say, because it was after the trip, remember, to uh, Europe and ending up, of course, in Poland, and it was catastrophic where he basically called for Putin's ouster, remember, regime change, and basically told the U.S. military that they were going into Ukraine, which wasn't happening either. So they gave him a a card and said, stick to these notes because there was a news conference that happened. So now there's a whole other one that a number of people in the media were able to get a shot of. A photographer snapped an image of a document that Biden held up backwards at a meeting. And of course, today he didn't want to meet with the oil industry executives. They were there. Not that there would be any reason. I'm being sarcastic because with gas prices and all the issues that are affecting Americans, and he keeps blaming the oil executives and blaming Putin, and the oil executives go to the White House today, and he doesn't even have the courtesy to go meet with them, but he meets with wind farm executives, these executives from the green energy industry. He spends time with the wind energy executives, talks to them for quite some time, and it's in that meeting, by the way, that a photographer gets a shot of the paper that he holds. And you always kind of wonder, well, you know, a normal person, maybe there's a note that says, you know, you might want to say X amount of, you know, wind farm energy goes to this or X amount of oil goes to that, whatever. All, you know, statistics. Sometimes you can't blame somebody for like keynotes and wanting to make sure those are accurate. No, no, no. Our president has a paper that says you 
take your seat in capital letters. It's like you eat your vegetables. I mean, is that not hilarious? He's a grown man. And the note says you take your seat. Then it says you give brief comments. Two minutes. That's what brief comments means. You. Okay. Then it says you ask this person, it's the president of the AFL-CIO, a question. And then you thank participants and you depart. I'm waiting for it to say you breathe. You know, it's like, this is crazy. It is so funny. And apparently he was kind of holding up the notes, not realizing he's holding them up the wrong way. And clearly, it just shows that they don't have comfortable feelings about anything he does. That he needs guidance on, you talk, you do this, you do this, you take your seat. Like, I mean, as opposed to what? You're going to sit like what, on the corner? You're the president of the United States. I think it's pretty clearly marked. Which one's your seat? I mean, that to me is astounding. It's not like he's in some foreign country and doesn't know or whatever. He's in the White House. They're visiting him. And there's a question on whether the president of the United States knows which seat to sit in. Boy, are we in trouble, guys. I mean, when I look at this, I'm thinking we got Ukraine. We got Supreme Court decisions. We've got an economic crisis. And this guy can't figure out which seat to sit in. Boy. Is this not illuminating in terms of the leadership style at this White House? The number is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of the fact that the leader of the free world has a message that says you take your seat, then you speak, then you do this, and basically after two minutes, please be quiet because we're afraid you're going to uh, trip on yourself again. This, to me, is pretty incredible. This is like what uh, you kind of give to, like, a high school student when he's doing his first presentation or a junior high school student. You don't want to insult the high school student. Boy, are we in trouble. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, the fact that this decision did come down as we talk about the big ruling for guns in New York, the gun permit law. And a lot of people, Second Amendment, are cheering loudly. It was a big resounding win. Six to three decision by the court's conservative majority. And the justices ruling that requiring people to demonstrate a particular need, again, for carrying a gun in order to get a license to carry one in public, violated the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. In other words, you don't have to demonstrate that there is a dire need for you to be able to legally have a gun. And that's a really big, big win. And that could be a resounding win across America, not just in the state of New York. And what was interesting, too, was Alito and a number of others. But in their cases, they were looking, a number of them were presenting, basically saying, you know what, if you look at some of these other cases, you look at, say, Buffalo, and you look at a number of these other cases, um, if you go through their record and you go through the threats and you go through all these other things, they use that as a justification to say, well, it should not happen because if things had been different, maybe Buffalo 
would not have happened or other things would have happened. What was interesting is the conservative majority on the other end came back and said, are you kidding me? If you look at it, this guy suddenly got a gun. He There wasn't a, quote, direct threat. Like, if you look at the logic, they basically threw it back at him and said, you know what? Maybe you need better background check. Maybe you need some of these other things. But on the face of it, none of these recent shootings would have changed necessarily based on what we're talking about right here. In other words, you can't take away legal gun owners' right to the Second Amendment when somebody else infringes on it and somebody else obviously commits a crime. But you can't sacrifice everybody else. And they also said that nothing would have changed if you looked at it. I mean, obviously, there were warning signs and other things. I'm not specifics with the case. But I'm talking about in the broader scheme of things, we have to go after criminals. We have to go after people with warning signs. We have to lock up people who are repeat offenders. And also families have to speak up if they have somebody who is troubled and somebody who is over the top. But today, all we heard from Democrats was, how dare they? I wish they had the same kind of anger about repeat offenders. I wish they had the same anger about these soft-on-crime DAs like Alvin Bragg in New York and George Gascon in L.A. and Larry Krasner in Philly. When you look at all of these soft-on-crime DAs across the country, why aren't liberals kind of going crazy about that? The average citizen is. But liberal politicians, guess what? Kathy Hochul, remember, on Alvin Bragg, oh, we're going to give him a slack. We're going to cut him some slack. But today, when this decision came down... You would have thought it was the end of the world. Listen to how she reacted to the Supreme Court decision. This decision isn't just reckless, it's reprehensible. It's not what New Yorkers want. And we should have the right of determination of what we want to do in terms of our gun laws in our state. If the federal government will not have sweeping laws to protect us, then our states and our governors have a moral responsibility to do what we can And have laws that protect our citizens because of what is going on, the insanity of the gun culture that has now possessed everyone all the way up to even to the Supreme Court. And then Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, also blasted the Supreme Court decision. We will work together to limit the risk this decision will create once it is implemented. And we cannot allow New York to become the wild, wild west. That is unacceptable. And you know what? I don't think anybody wants wild, wild west. But have you walked down some of the streets of New York lately, Mr. Mayor? They're pretty much like the wild west. Have you been on the subway lately? It's pretty much like the OK Corral, you know? I mean, and that's because there are people who should not be having guns. There are people who shouldn't be on the street. These are like folks with a long rap sheet that never should be on the street. And yet they are claiming that this decision to help lawful gun owners have their right to carry a gun, especially at a time where crime is skyrocketing across the country. God forbid people want to protect themselves. He believes I couldn't believe this. He actually said that this ruling from the Supreme Court is not going to make the average citizen's feel better and more secure. Are you kidding me? Take a listen. This decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. The decision ignores this shocking crisis of gun violence every day 
engulfing not only New York, but engulfing our entire country. So why do we see that anger when we see repeat offenders? He's spoken out a little bit about repeat offenders. I'll give him that. But he hasn't blasted Alvin Bragg. And again, remember, Governor Hochul in New York is like, oh, we're going to give him some slack. Where is the anger about that, about repeat offenders, about locking people up, about broken windows theory? Where's the frustration? But no, gosh, suddenly a Supreme Court decision that gives people with Second Amendment rights, which we all have because it's in the Constitution that reaffirms it and has legal gun owners, those who have passed tests, those who have gone through all of that, those who are responsible, those people are now being vilified as like the worst of the worst. And the repeat offenders, oh, don't worry about them. Don't worry about the people shooting up. Don't worry about the people with the rap sheet that are going back on the subways or back out on the streets. Don't worry about them. But we're going to go after responsible gun owners. Why is it always guns, 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 and not, as one of our great listeners, Sal, said, what about hug a thug? That's what we're seeing. We're seeing hug a thug, and they're going after guns, guns, guns. We're going to continue And go with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. Democrats are wrong tonight saying that the Supreme Court decision basically goes against the Constitution. But in fact, if you look at the Supreme Court decision on gun rights, it basically reaffirms the Second Amendment, which is in the Constitution. They're basically looking at what the Constitution is. But take a listen to Vice President Kamala Harris, and this is what She had to say she was blasting this decision because, of course, all they want to focus on is guns, 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 not repeat offenders, thugs, thugs, thugs. We, the president, myself, many of us are deeply concerned and troubled by the Supreme Court's ruling today. Um, It, it, I believe, defies common sense and um, the Constitution of the United States. It just goes to show she doesn't know the Constitution of the United States. She doesn't know the border. Uh, She doesn't know a lot of stuff. So let's just add that to the list. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry. Line four. Larry, your thoughts about all of this and the big decision that came down from the Supreme Court and the fact that Democrats are so you know, I I don't want to use uh, up in arms, but are upset about it uh, very much about this decision. And they're claiming, oh, it's against the Constitution. Meanwhile, it's really what the Constitution says. Yes, Rita, uh, I'd like to have a little dialogue with you, not just, you know, boom, boom, and that's it. Um, Basically, um, what you saw, I saw a press conference today 
of the of the mayor of Adams and 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 the police commissioner, a couple other people, and basically what you saw was debased a human being by Adams, a debased man who didn't have a set of brains of his own, but was reading from somebody else's prepared statement, are not unlike President Biden, okay? He wants to be president. He's, he wants to be the New York Biden. He is the New York Biden. See, first of all, when he's talking about the wild, wild west, he wants to use that phrase so freely, you know? But the fact is that New York became, already became the wild, wild west because of the Legal Aid Society and the judges before that and, and the laws that the legislators have put on the books. It's already the wild, wild west. And Larry, I agree. If you want to stick with you, I won't boom, boom you. I'll let you stick around, but we have to go to a break. So stay tuned. We'll continue with part two of Larry, and I'll take the rest of you guys after the break and get your take on all of this. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great men and women in uniform and, of course, law enforcement uniform, um, some very sad news coming from South Carolina, where a sheriff's deputy in the upstate region of Spartanburg was shot and killed in the line of duty. Spartanburg County Coroner Rusty Clevenger said that the 25-year-old deputy, Deputy Austin Derek Aldridge, was shot on uh, Tuesday, and it was in a gunfire exchange after responding to a domestic violence call. And he went to the call around 3.20 p.m., and when he approached a resident, suddenly somebody opened fire on him. Uh, He died just a few hours later. And luckily, a neighbor described the shooter and his vehicle to other deputies. They then chased the guy into the woods. Uh, He then opened fire on those deputies. Uh, Ultimately, he was shot several times and he was arrested and taken into custody. And thankfully, no other deputies were hurt. But this officer, apparently a very beloved and well-known and well-respected one in the force there lost his life. And again, it just reminds everybody how dangerous these domestic violence calls are in particular because they are always really, really tough. Emotions are riding high, and you just do not know what you're going to expect. And this guy suddenly came out of nowhere on what seemed to be a fairly routine call for law enforcement. And sadly, this officer lost his life. And we are talking now about guns. Um, By the way, some new information coming in from the U.S. Senate. Um, Just a little bit ago, the Senate has approved a bipartisan legislation uh, aimed at keeping firearms out of the hands of dangerous people after a group of Republicans sided with Democrats on the measure. The Senate just passing it a little bit ago, 65 to 33. That included 15 Republicans, including Mitch McConnell. Uh, of Kentucky, and a lot of people are not happy that Republicans were part of this. Um, what it does is it doesn't prohibit guns, uh, certain types of guns, but it does go into different degrees. In other words, like it goes into background checks of prospective gun owners, saying that there has to be background checks for buyers ages 18 to 21, requiring for the first time that juvenile records, including mental health records, 
beginning at age 16, be vetted for potentially disqualifying material. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, because, of course, as we're also talking, it was a big day in the Supreme Court for gun rights. And yet this now adds background checks. It also adds red flag laws, by the way, uh, that allow guns to be temporarily confiscated from people deemed by a judge to be too dangerous to possess them. That, I think, is the criteria deemed by a judge. So it can't be like somebody has a vendetta against somebody else and then suddenly they're not allowed to have a gun because somebody's trying to uh, pull one over somebody else. It has to actually go through a judge and get sanctioned by a judge that, that indeed this is a red flag, that this is an issue. Um, that could have prevented, indeed, some other cases that we've seen of late, particularly the Buffalo one. Um, and also, I actually like the idea of juvenile records being seen. Some people, you know, feel it's a definite infringement, so I understand that as well. But I actually think it's a pretty good idea that if somebody has a trouble, uh, even an arrest, of course, in a juvenile record, you know what happened is a lot of times then they go and apply for a gun at the age of 18, and remember, those juvenile records are sealed. So somebody sells them a gun. It's legal at this point, and they don't know that that person as a juvenile may have committed a pretty serious crime uh, because they don't have access to the system. Because, again, it's a sealed, it's protected for the individual. I hate to say it. I actually think that if somebody has committed a serious crime as a juvenile, that that should preclude them from getting a gun. If somebody is a violent person, somehow we have to let those people who are selling guns and are doing it in a responsible fashion that they're able to see if this person is troubled and that this person indeed has a history of violence, uh, even as a juvenile. I actually think that that's a good thing. And I want to hear your thoughts because I know a number of people do not feel comfortable with that. Um, They're also looking at tightening a federal ban on domestic abusers from buying firearms if somebody has been a proven domestic abuser and also strengthening laws against straw purchasing and trafficking of guns. What's your reaction to this? Because, of course, now it has to go to the House to get approved, and then President Biden would sign it into law. It's not a ban on assault weapons, which is clearly what the left wanted, but there are some measures in here that a number of people are not comfortable with. They feel it's an infringement on you know privacy rights about some of the background checks and some of the juvenile records and some of these other things and the red flag laws. I think some of this is good. You don't want somebody crazy getting access to a gun, and just because somebody turns 18, they shouldn't have their whole record wiped clean, and then they can buy an assault weapon, which is what we've seen of late. Remember the guy in Buffalo, as soon as he turned 18, pretty much, he goes and buys two guns. And he had some stuff in his background, and also the guy in Florida didn't sound like have any arrest records, but had some pretty serious threats in his background. And the guy also in Uvalde had a lot of threats in his background. Not that you would have seen it because it was an arrest. But you got to have family members who are speaking out. You got to have teachers who are speaking out. You got to have classrooms that are speaking out. And if somebody was arrested and busted for something like this, uh, I actually think they should be prohibited from having a gun. We want responsible gun owners. And that's what the decision, I think, from the Supreme Court today was. And that's why I think it's so outrageous that Democrats are basically saying, oh, this is against the Constitution. Oh, no, 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 no. To me, this is exactly what the Constitution is saying, is that you are a law-abiding citizen. You are allowed to carry it. And that's, to me, I think it was the right decision. 
and we'll see where this goes here. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's continue with Larry, because uh, I said I wasn't going to boom, boom you. So go ahead, Larry. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I just think that these supervening federal laws are the, are the, are the perfect prelude to the Supreme Court's decision about right to carry in New York. And the Democrats don't want that because the Democrats want the ability to to direct social policy by coddling criminals. That's what they want. This is a big conspiracy between the judges, the legal aid society, the black politicians and the criminals themselves. As I said yesterday, when I mentioned when I made the point that the gang members are challenging uh, Eric Adams and you came back and said, well, that that killer in the subway in Sunset Park, James, who killed a bunch of people, he wasn't a gang member. Yes. But the one that killed that guy Velasquez was when he shot that guy point blank. There was no motive for that, and he paced up and down to get the courage to do it. That was a gang-induced killings. They will no longer – the day will come in New York where they will not be able to use the gang – the gang members will be dealt with either either by by the police like they should be. They will unshackle the police, or the citizens will be able to defend themselves. Yeah, but you know what? We don't want it to be uh, the one thing I will agree with with Eric Adams. We don't want it to be the Wild West uh, and get to a point where everybody turns into a, a Bernie Getz. Is that what you're referring to, Larry? I mean, what are you referring to here? Well, the point of the matter is, is that the Wild West existed because people had the right to defend themselves and there were criminals there. Uh, but but what restrains that? is the power of law enforcement. And that's exactly what government has been shackling. The, you know, they're, they're going to be showed up when the average citizen, and, it's a, and by the way, it's a danger to the average citizen, legally speaking. The, the courts have gone so far left that there could be no there could be no self-defense justification anymore. They could actually, like Kim Potter, uh, an, uh, uh, an innocent citizen who's defending himself, could actually do time because they've moved, they, they've restrained the police so far. Like, for example, that, police, that, that policeman that was assaulted yesterday, if somebody is dragged down the steps and he has a gun, he's allowed to shoot the guy. But why didn't the cop shoot the guy? Okay. Well, well, are you saying that he should listen? And and here's where it gets into. Obviously, you want to have the appropriate response. I agree with you. It's scary because the guy was trying to grab his gun and he was on a solo patrol, too. And he was pulled down those stairs of the subway station. I mean, that is a really scary, risky situation. Um, But you don't want it to be uh, so much like, uh, okay, well, you stole a piece of candy. We're going to shoot you. You know, it has to be an appropriate response uh, given the climate. And you also want responsible people to have guns, you know, uh, in this climate. I, I The one where I agree with you, Larry, I do think we need to, you know, take the hamstrings, if you will, off of law enforcement. Because you're right, they're afraid to do certain things. They're afraid if they overreach, they're going to get called into internal affairs. Um, they don't have a lot of backup. Um, you know, uh, you know, qualified immunity. I mean, there are these so many issues that are happening right now that law enforcement have such a burden on their shoulders and they just have to be able to do their job. But I do want law enforcement doing their job. I don't want every single citizen to become Bernie Getz because that's a pretty dangerous place to be if we're opening it to that. Uh, Larry, I do have to boom, boom you and I got to let you go. But thank you very much. Good to have you here. Uh, let's go to Frank. On line three, Frank, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. It's so great to talk to you. I love all you guys at the station, and I despise this administration so terribly. You know, all they do is lie, lie, lie. You have so much to say, but I know it's a little time. 
we know that they're trying to collapse this economy, and 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 then we'd be dependent on government, and that's what socialist governments are. And that's what they are. They're not Democrats anymore. JFK was a democratic uh, uh, society, but these people aren't Democrats no more. They were all socialists now. They were all socialists, and they're trying to they're trying to collapse the economy, as you can see. I don't know why people don't see that. And and the second thought is with this gun law, it's about time because you know what, Rita, in order to get a pistol permit, you have to you have to, you have to go through you know a background check, and maybe they can make it a little more stringent. Maybe this time include psychiatric tests if you've ever been in a psychiatric hospital. That, by the way, that. by the way, Frank, that's a yes. really great point. Um, I'm yes. glad you brought up the psychiatric like facility. And, oh. and, and what do you think, by the way, let me just ask you, because you, you bring yes. up, and I'm, I always am honest with you guys, I do think, you know, obviously it's too easy, as we've seen recently, you know, some people who have clearly troubled history, and then suddenly they turn 18 and they go buy a gun and they get it legally. I don't blame the gun seller because he doesn't see anything in the background. And a lot of people can suddenly look normal and then they're nuts the minute they walk out or they're not able to see that the person had a juvenile record or or the families didn't take any responsibility and say anything or other people didn't say anything. So um, but but in the case of. Uh, I believe it was the Buffalo guy where he had spent time. Remember, the, oh, it was because the New York State guys came in and evaluated the guy. Remember, and he spent like 36 hours in a mental facility and that doesn't go down on a record. I mean, and then he goes to buy a gun and he gets a gun and then he goes to get another gun. And both of those activities were legal. But to your point, can you imagine how could you ever have somebody that... They had to go and investigate him, and he, uh, you know, and he was he clearly flagged at one point so serious that they checked him into a mental facility, basically, for at least a day and a half. And there were other issues with this guy. Like, if you had seen this guy's background, there should have been a big old, like, blaring red flag. And that would help the gun sellers, too, because then they know they're selling it to somebody who they clearly shouldn't be. And then they would be responsible if they sold it to him. But, but why are we not doing that? Why, why don't you think, Frank, and what do you think about the fact that they're talking about maybe making juvenile records for the first time uh, for people to that for that to be coming open? That that individuals, particularly mental health records beginning at age 16 and juvenile records, I have to look at the cap if it's from 16 on or if it's younger. Um, but if somebody has done something crazy when they're 16 or 17, that should be in the record. You kidding me? If somebody like makes a threat to a school, why is that not in there? Why is not a visit to a mental facility? Why is that not in a flag? I, I think those should be there. I'm going to tell you, with the, as long as you don't have a, a, a felony conviction, you'll get a gun. Because on the application, it says, have you ever been in a mental institution? People say no. Yeah, of course they, they say no. no. Right. And then they don't check. Right. But that's it's why. I, but what I'm saying is, Frank, something needs to be in the system. Because, of course, they're going to say no. It should be like a big old, like, do not sell to this person, you know? Right. In the three years, as long as you don't have a felony conviction, when it goes to the feds, when your application goes to the feds and they look at your, your record and they see a felony conviction, boom, you're not getting a gun permit. Once you don't have – you can have a misdemeanor and still get a gun permit. As long as you don't have a felony, that you, you can get a gun permit. And, right. And but what they, they're but what they're saying, Frank, what I'm saying to you is what this legislation that the Senate uh, just passed a little bit ago, the bipartisan gun bill that's going to go to the House and then Biden 
they are saying that they want to have for the first time juvenile records, including men- mental health records, beginning at age 16, that somehow that would now go into a system like a, you know, like a, a flag system. So people can't just walk in and say, no, I've never been in a mental institution or I've never had a crime. In other words, you know, puts the responsibility in some system that now goes up. So when you put somebody's name in, it's like a big old flag of like or do not sell. Um, so it takes it out of so you can't trust somebody's word, uh, which you can't be trusting these loony kazoonies anyway. Driver's license. Uh, let me say, when you go for a driver's license, all the states pop up. If, if you have uh, if you have no license or you lost your license in Florida, you're not going to get a license in New York. That's how do you say when they cross reference them? You know, the, the computers, they, they speak to each other like that. Right. But That's now but now they're taking it one step further on this new legislation saying that they will now um, look into pr- younger people, you know, that that people who are younger people, if they did something, uh, it'll go up there now. Anything the Democrats do, I have to see it to believe it. What they did at the 2020 election, I wouldn't put a piss. I don't. I worry about the 20, 20 the 24 election, 2024 election, because these sons of bees, they will do anything. And did you hear Biden slip a couple of days ago when he was giving out some kind of speech, and he says there will be a pandemic. Oh, I missed that. No, I missed uh-huh. that. He said there'll be a pandemic. Oh, yeah. He didn't say there may be a pandemic, uh, whatever. There, he said it. You tell you just after. I, by the way, I actually, you know, what's interesting, Frank. I do remember something where he said like there will be another, or there will be something. I do remember there was something there. I'm going to look at it, Frank. You're great. Thank you very, very much, Frank. You're terrific. Um, I want to play now. This is a comment from Lauren Bobert. Congresswoman, uh, because she was very happy with the gun decision. This is the one that came down from the U.S. Supreme Court, which I think does adhere to the Constitution. And that's what the judges found. Uh, Six to three ruling conservative justices overwhelmingly saying that you cannot restrict when someone who legally gets a gun when they are able to carry it, which I think is a powerful message and important message at this time with crime and everything else. And The Congresswoman was cheering it. Take a listen. The Supreme Court just issued a landmark decision regarding your Second Amendment rights. And I'm happy to say they got this one right. On Justice Thomas's 74th birthday, he wrote the majority decision in which he has effectively ended may issue permit processes throughout the country. In simple terms, this means your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms shall not be denied by an unelected bureaucrat. So she's cheering. She's a Republican. But Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, says it is outrageous. Take a listen to what she said. We just received some very disturbing news from Washington that the Supreme Court of the United States of America has stripped away the state of New York's right and responsibility to protect its citizens with a decision which we are still digesting, which is frightful in its scope of how they are setting back this nation and our ability to protect our citizens back to the days of our founding fathers. And the language we're reading is shocking. Suddenly the Democrats citing the Constitution. That's a new one. Let's ask uh, Mike Lee and Ted Cruz, right? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and I'll continue with your calls after the break. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show. He's awesome. I love Lenny Gravis. And it is a bit of tunnel vision because right now, Democrats are so laser focused on guns, guns, guns. And some of the things that we were just talking about that the Senate literally just passed a few minutes ago, and again, it still goes to the House and the others. Some of those things I think are good with these checks, as we were just talking about with mental history and juvenile records, especially if it's serious crimes. I think gun sellers should be aware of that so they can block the sale of guns. But some of the other things are definitely overreaching. And by the way, I think the reason they're doing it, they want to have some sort of gun victory, if you will, that they can go out there on the campaign trail and say, oh, well, we didn't get to ban assault weapons, but we did pass this thing. It's the biggest background checks or it's the biggest decks. They just want to have some sort of gun victory that they can take back to their constituents. And yet... What are they doing about soft on crime DAs? What are they doing about making sure the thugs who are using guns illegally, not legal gun owners, what are they doing to make sure that they don't get it and you throw the book at them? I mean, I think if you have a a gun, in fact, Bill O'Reilly was talking the other day and I thought it's something really powerful. He talked about individuals, if they have a gun illegally and they commit a crime, then it should be, quote, a federal crime. I thought that was brilliant when Bill was saying that. And the point was that then they would get more time, that it wouldn't just be an easy pass and that it wouldn't be open to states' interpretations and local jurisdictions, that if suddenly they got caught with the use of a crime and they had a gun at that time, an illegal gun that they had, throw the book at them, give them a federal charge, And then they would automatically have to be charged with something pretty serious. And the charge would have to stick. There's not as much latitude. Then you don't have these soft on crime DAs stepping in. I think it's actually brilliant. But they don't want to do that. They just want to go after guns, guns, guns. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to BJ, line eight. Go ahead, BJ, your thoughts. You know, um, Rita, excellent show. You know, you cannot have law and order and political correctness. You either have to have one or the other. With political correctness, you have reactive policing. You have the de Blasio-Adams policy of high crime, no police, breakdown of law and order. 20 years ago, or a little more than 20 years ago, when Rudy Giuliani was mayor, no one was talking about this. At least very few people were talking about this because this was a safe, clean city. Hochul uh, and Adams, they all live uh, with, uh, uh, you know, protection uh, from, uh, uh, you know, more police. Yeah, they have they have right. They have armed guards around them. It's okay for them. So so they're easy to judge whether or not you should and shame you whether or not you want to protect your own self and your family. You know, this is really ridiculous. And, uh, you know, Frau, uh, Frau uh, you know, she reminds me of Frau Blucher from Young Frankenstein. I, I can't I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> That's an interesting analogy, BJ. And everybody, we're going to continue with the conversation after the break. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Feisty, fearless and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. It is utterly disgusting, and I think it's utterly dangerous. We are hearing now that a number of these groups, uh, as we're waiting for other Supreme Court decisions, and we're going to continue talking about the gun rights decision, the big one that came down, of course, just a few hours ago, uh, very much a pro-Second Amendment decision, and I think it was the right decision, uh, affecting gun owners in New York and potentially a number of other states across the country. Uh, But as this is happening, we're also learning that we're waiting. We're on standby to see what happens with the potential decision that could overturn Roe v. Wade. There is going to be a special session, by the way, tomorrow of the Supreme Court basically coming down with decisions that tomorrow morning. It's really rare. Uh, I've covered the Supreme Court for a long, long time. I've covered cases in the Supreme Court. They normally kind of are pretty straight ahead. A lot of the decisions come out pretty early in the month of June. And now we're seeing this kind of late towards the end of the month as it's going. And we're seeing also a special time where decisions are going to come down tomorrow. So could that mean that this decision that could overturn Roe v. Wade potentially and send it back to the states to look at it? Um, And, of course, a very passionate decision that it could come down In a matter of hours. And what's really scary is that people that are very upset with us on the far left have already come out and said, you know what, if this comes down, we're going to have a night of riots. I mean, that is unbelievable. A night of rage is what they are calling it. They're saying if it happens, we will absolutely take to the streets. We're going to go to different locations. There will be a night of looting, burning, rioting if Roe is overturned. This is crazy. And where is the White House on all of this? I'm outraged tonight because you have a responsibility as president of the United States when you have groups like this that have already gone and protested outside of Supreme Court Justice's house. We had a guy who was planning to assassinate Justice Brett Kavanaugh, he came in loaded for bear, as we've talked about. He had a gun and he had a crowbar and he had zip ties. I mean, he had a whole bunch of stuff. He was definitely planning to kill the Supreme Court justice. And thank God he saw the U.S. Marshals outside the house and then decided to, like, call himself in. Remember, on 911, that was a crazy situation. But he got to the guy's house. He took the, a taxi there to his home. So you've got this climate. And now we have these groups that are coming out and saying, if this comes out, there will be, quote, a night of rage if they rescind federal abortion rights groups. The group is called Jane's Revenge. And this is a group that showed up outside a Michigan lawmaker's office and basically vandalized his office and then went in and went in and vandalized a pro-life group center. It's a pro-life center that's right there near this Michigan lawmaker's house. And we know that there was another location for a pro-life center that when this leaked decision came out, remember, we had a Molotov cocktail. It was like burned up. I mean, these are nutty people. And outside this Michigan lawmakers, it had in spray paint Jane's Revenge. 
basically they're marking that we were here. Hope you like the damage we did to your building. I mean, this is crazy. These are nutty, nutty people that are extreme. And if you're not happy with the decision, then peacefully protest. That's America. Don't go up outside somebody's home or follow their kids or go to their school or go to their church or firebomb or create a night of looting, a night of rage where there will be burning, looting, rioting if Roe is overturned. I mean, that is outrageous. And what does the White House do? They just kind of tepidly say, well, we don't really think that anybody should be burning or doing anything, and we hope things are peaceful. Are you kidding me? You are the president of the United States, and the White House should be coming and saying in no uncertain terms, this should not be happening. That, to me, is so outrageous. It is irresponsible. And it's the same kind of reaction that we saw from the left, by the way, during all of these things that happened in the summer of love. Remember, they weren't condemning the people that were protesting and burning and looting cities. It's the same kind of rhetoric. And all you're going to say, well, oh, we really don't like people burning and doing things. Uh, you got to come out and outright say anybody who goes and burns, anybody who loots, anybody who destroys property, they will be arrested. They couldn't wait to arrest anybody tied to January 6th. And the best you can do when someone says we're planning on rioting and burning and looting and have a history of doing that is we would prefer them don't do that. Are you kidding me? And you haven't even arrested the people that were protesting outside the homes of these justices? Anyway, so later on tonight, I want to get into your thoughts about this double standard of justice. This, to me, is so outrageous. And it's also just downright dangerous because we're heading into a really concerning period. The decision, whenever it comes down from the court, if it indeed does overturn Roe v. Wade, and these groups are saying, if it does, we're going to take to the streets, and you do nothing to condition them, you do nothing to condemn them, you do nothing to basically contain them, you could send an injunction right away. Why are you not sending a preemptive injunction saying, if you do do this, your rhetoric is already insightful and inflammatory. And if you do do this, we will throw the full force of the law against you. They're not doing that. And so to me, they are basically parties to it. And that's almost how I, that's how I felt during the summer of 2020 when there was all this rioting, all this looting, and all you saw was Kamala Harris praising some of these thugs, these repeat offenders. Jacob Blake who had beaten his girlfriend and was lunging at police when they opened fire on him. And remember, she was praising him, you know, and bailing out the Minnesota Freedom Fund, you know, saying, oh, they have a right to be out there to protest. No, they don't have a right to go out there and burn and loot and kill people and destroy people's livelihoods and their lives. Are you kidding me? They have a right to peacefully protest, but they don't have a right to burn and loot. And this White House seems to have a problem with anybody who burns and loots or does anything like that tied to January 6th or even anybody who entered the Capitol on January 6th for that matter. And yet these people are threatening, holy heck, and they're not trying to temper them. That to me is really scary. And I want to get your thoughts on that because this comes as people have been chanting and just screaming over the leaked decision. Remember this, this was soon after the decision. I want to play a clip. This is some of the chanting outside of the Supreme Court because people were downright angry at the leak. And if the decision follows the leak, they're going to go crazy. Hey, 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 
nice beat. I'd rather hear that than, uh, you know, blank, blank, uh, this is what's going to happen to you. But people are emotional, which is probably part of the reason that potentially this could be coming down on a Friday. Maybe they're thinking, okay, we got to contain it. We got to make sure people are getting, you know, maybe it gives them notice to uh, to leave or to close up different locations uh, because people are downright angry. And here's a little bit more of one of the protesters outside the Supreme Court after the leak. They're very passionate. The fight over abortion has never been about babies. It's never these fools over here are talking about babies. Fetuses are not babies. Fetuses are not babies. Abortion is not murder. And women are not incubators. The fight over abortion has always, always, always been about controlling and enslaving women. That's why they come after it. That's why they bomb abortion clinics. That's why they've killed abortion doctors. That's why they harassed women outside every clinic and call them murderers and shame them. And it is this patriarchal chain that this state is about to refasten on women's lives and bodies and spirits and futures. And we must not allow it. And this is the calm reaction. Those are the ones who are protesting. They're passionate, all right. And that's allowed by the United States. But to say you're going to go take to the streets and a night of rage, a night of rioting, a night of burning and looting. And this White House, we've already seen this in America. We do not want to see this again. We've seen it in recent times. And you want to see it again? And you won't do anything? Are you kidding me? This is the best that this White House can do when they were asked about a response to the protesters. Take a listen to what Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, had to say. As we get closer to the Supreme Court decision on Roe, um, there is a group that is flyers around Washington, D.C., but also across the country and also online called Jane's Revenge that declares there will be a night of rage, looting, burning, uh, rioting if Roe is overturned. What message does this White House have um, in advance of that ruling as we get closer to it? So, again, violence and destruction of property. Uh, have no place in our country under under any circumstance, and the president denounces this action. Uh, actions like this are completely unacceptable, regardless of our, our of our politics. So we have denounced that, and we will continue to denounce any violence or threats. Yeah, we denounce it, and so uh, we don't like any threats. And okay, next question. I mean, that is unbelievable. That's the best. That he can do, that to me is crazy. That's the best that the message from the president, whoever's in charge at the White House, because we don't know if Biden's in charge. But Corinne Jean-Pierre, did that sound like if you were somebody who's planning a night of looting, burning, rioting, and rage, if Roe was overturned, that whatever she said would dissuade you? That's basically a green light. And that, to me, is so dangerous that these people want to keep people that they believe are in their base, keep them, let them do whatever they want to do, let them get angry, let them, you know, burn and loot and whatever, and they're barely going to condemn it because, what, it's an election year, they're afraid to lose voters or they agree with them? How can you agree with somebody who's looting, burning, 
and doing all these other things. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And of course, so far, the other decision that did come down a few hours ago is that big decision that basically says New York gun owners that they don't have to show that there has been an intense threat against them to justify why they can legally carry guns. So that is a huge, huge win for Second Amendment advocates. And I think it's the right decision. If you look at the Supreme Court and you look at the Constitution, however, Democrats are saying it's outrageous and that it opens the door for more people to carry guns in New York. Again, they're not going after illegal gun owners. They're going after those who have already gone through the process and have gotten it legally. But they seem to have a problem with those. And yet the repeat offenders, don't worry about them. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete on line eight. Go ahead, Pete. Your thought about all this. I read it. It's been an up and down uh, day today. I mean, when I heard about that thing about being able to carry and uh, concealed, I said, this is great. But then after I studied it the same way, like with the uh, thing that we had uh, before, it's going to take a while to happen. They'll postpone it. They'll get adjournments and it's not going to happen that soon. And uh, then again, I get all things, uh, edible arrangements. I got like five things sent to me because Frankie Russo had their podcast on WABC today at noon. And in it, they said that I took a swim, which trying to follow uh, Anthony's book. You're, you're meandering, and, Pete. You are yeah. meandering. By the way, by the way, and, and I love Frankie, yeah. and I love those edible arrangements, the the fruit ones. Those are yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, Pete, always good to hear from you. you got to stay focused, my friend, but I love you, love you, love you. Uh, let's go to Bob on Line 7 in the Bronx. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, Bob, are you there? Bobby, are you there? Go hey, ahead, Bob. Anita, hey, Bob. Yep, I hear yeah, you. I All love right. your show. Thank you, Bob. Before I get into the gun, New York City gun law, I don't see them. I see them looter, uh, um, rioting, and uh, and all that. But I don't see the burning because with the gas, of, the price of gas, I don't think they could afford it. <laughs> you know. Oh, so. by the way, that's so. by the way, that is the only time I've been happy to say you're right. The price of gas is high, so maybe they'll have a little tough time getting it. Right, right, right. <laughs> There's a bright side. I never thought I'd see one bright side to all of this, Bobby. Gosh, go yeah. ahead. Now with the with the gun law, I saw um, Mayor Adams press conference. I don't know if you've seen it, Rita. It, he was, the audacity of this guy saying, oh, there will be an increase now of suicides. And also, there will be an increase in shootings ending uh, with domestic disputes. We don't need this densely population uh, with all these guns at their, at their home. But I wanted to ask him, and nobody did as soon as at the press conference, Mayor Adams, did, do you have a gun in your home? And most likely he does because he was ex-NYPD. So the audacity for him to say, okay, I could protect myself and my family because I'm more important than Bobby from the Bronx. You know, that's what I, I, I can't wait to vote in November. By thank the way, me. that's a great point. And, Bobby, thank you for the call, too. That's a great point um, because I'm sure he does. You know, like you brought up, he was a former cop. Um, and obviously you want the mayor to be safe and others to be safe. All I could think about when you were talking about that, Bobby, was Corey Bush Remember, um, in Missouri, uh, the congresswoman who was literally asked on, I'll never forget, it was on a morning show, 
you know, and she was talking about defunding the police. She came right out and said, defund, defund, defund. She was, you know, hardcore left uh, squad member. And the reporter, the host asked, which I thought was a great question, well, you have armed guards, you have this. And she said, well, I need it because I've gotten threats because I'm defending, you know, my right to push for defund the police. She tried to, like, spit it like she's an exceptional person, but the others, the average citizen, does not deserve it. But it was so transparent. But that's exactly, that's a great question to ask Mayor Adams. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. one 800 This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the Supreme Court big decision today that was pro-gun owners very much in New York uh, and also will have, I think, rippling effects to at least six or seven states in the United States. But in addition to that, we are waiting to see what happens with the Roe v. Wade decision, the Dobbs decision that could overturn it potentially, sending it back to the states. And now there is this group called Jane's Revenge that is saying If the decision's overturned, there will be a night of looting, burning, and rioting. And the White House is barely saying a thing about this. This is, though, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. This is his former clerk, uh, Carrie Severino. And she says that America basically has to brace that it's going to be pretty ugly if this decision is overturned. Take a listen. Uh, This is Carrie Severino talking. I mean, if the opinion had been released immediately, we might not have some, had someone show up at Justice Kavanaugh's house trying to kill him to prevent the opinion from coming out. And this has just given some of these protesters who are increasingly violent and vulgar the opportunity to further um, plan and coordinate their, their plans for the day it does come out. And unfortunately, we've seen only encouragement on that front uh, from the White House it certainly has refused to condemn all of the protests at Justice's house, despite the fact that they are violations of federal law. Yeah, it's a violation of federal law to be protesting outside their home, even technically outside the Supreme Court to try to influence the decision. But they allow that. And now they're talking burning, looting, all these things, and they're not doing anything. The Democrats, shame on them. Uh, Let's go to Jacqueline, line eight. Jacqueline, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. Boy, do I have thoughts on this. Um, First of all, since uh, the past two years, mostly since Biden has been in office, there have been 134 incidents of arson, vandalism, and other violent forms of destruction, not only against uh, these uh, pro-life centers and uh, Catholic Church. I know you happen to be a Christian. I don't know if you're Catholic. Uh, but I would implore every single Christian, starting in the city of New York, right up to the state of New York, and throughout the entire country, if they permit these rioters to do what they're threatening to do, every single Christian in this country, specifically the Catholics, but every single Christian all across the board, should march on the homes of all of these politicians, starting at the local level, the state level, and right up to the federal government. And if they don't control these rioters, they're going to get voted out in November. I hope every single Christian in the country will stand up and have a backbone and speak up for themselves. Well, they do need to speak up. I agree with you. And and we also need to say enough. I mean, we already saw 
this movie before, sadly. I mean, we saw it. I, I was talking about the summer of 2020. I mean, just think about how much more peaceful things would have been if those, you know, in in various positions would have said no more. You know, I mean, you think about uh, I'll bring up New York as an example. Bill de Blasio, I feel like basically let the city burn uh, for a few days, let cops basically get hit and abused and beaten. And finally, business owners said enough, it seemed. And then guess what? Uh, Then the cops were able to do their job and arrest people. And this happened over and over again in different cities where they were basically told, stand down. I mean, it's outrageous. We need law and order. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great men and women in the military. A really beautiful story coming from Salt St. Marie in Michigan, where the 31st annual Bay Mills Honoring Our Veterans powwow begins this weekend. It is honoring Native American tribes. Now, during this, veterans belonging to Bay Mills Indian Community and other uh, tribes will be carrying flags representing the various branches of the military. And the flags are going to be honored with a traditional flag, a song, followed by traditional songs to honor all the veterans. Indeed, these Native American uh, honor ceremony also serves to highlight the critical role that the Indian code talkers, such as the Choctaw from Oklahoma during World War uh, World War II and World War uh, other wars, the Comanche during World War II, and also the Navajo code talkers of the U.S. Marines and others, tribes who performed really critical roles in protecting and saving lives during each and every mission. Now, their unbreakable codes born from their indigenous languages were really utilized to transmit sensitive information. And to this day, these codes are legendary in military and cryptology history. After the grand entry, there will be a whole bunch of remembrance ceremonies. And one of the organizers said, it is all about paying our respects to all of our great veterans that are here and the other ones that are gone. What a great story and how beautiful uh, that they're honoring folks who were code talkers uh, during World War One, during World War Two, and also future battles, too. I mean, what a great, great thing and such a wonderful way. By the way, when I remember when I was in uh, Normandy on the 75th anniversary, there were a number of these individuals who played key roles as code talkers and it was really beautiful to hear the history and how vital of a role that they played in uh, saving and protecting so many of the other troops. It was a great, great story. Meantime, we're talking about the freedoms that our men and women in uniform fought, and many of them died for to protect us, our democracy. That includes freedom of speech. That includes a lot of things. And I'm all for peaceful protests. I'm not one of these people who says, oh, they shouldn't be out there on the streets. I think it's okay that people are out there. That's why it's America. My father, you know, as many of you know, was born in Poland. Poland was taken over by the communists. If you talked about anything that the communists didn't like, you weren't around very long. And by the way, when the Nazis came in, same thing, obviously, earlier. When the Germans came in, if you said anything against them, it was like, forget that. You wouldn't be around. 
So I'm very much appreciative of what this country stands for and who we are and and the values that are American and different views, different points of views. Uh, But now when I hear that people are planning on burning, looting and rioting because they're not going to be happy with this decision, if it indeed comes down and follows the leak that came out a few weeks ago. Remember when the leak came out from the Supreme Court uh, and they still haven't gotten to the bottom of who the leaker was to. But now there is this group called Jane's Revenge, that is saying if indeed Roe v. Wade is overturned, and it could be overturned as early as tomorrow, guys, based on the fact that the Supreme Court looks like it's going to come out with some decisions in the morning. We don't know if it's that, but there's a chance it could be. So everybody's bracing and wondering. Well, now this group called Jane's Revenge is basically saying, you know what, there will be burning, looting, rioting, and it will be, quote, a night of rage. This is so scary. And people who followed politics a long time, like Kellyanne Conway, who was in the Trump administration, says that things have gotten so out of hand, particularly when it comes to this abortion issue. Take a listen. We've gone way beyond just peaceful protests, which is a bedrock of American democracy. When Jane's Revenge says night of rage, when Chuck Schumer stands on the steps of the United States Supreme Court in 2020 and says, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, you unleash this world when you will pay the price. When a man is arrested outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home, the address of which was published by these anti uh, pro abortion, anti justice groups, this is way beyond protesting. We are threatening people's lives. There is a federal statute that protects against the intimidation or the influence of justices, judges, when they are deciding cases. Um, I would love to hear President Biden speak about this. He has had dozens of opportunities to speak about the violence, to denounce it in no uncertain terms. I'd love to hear the Department of Justice be as vigorous and robust in their denouncement of this, uh, of these crimes, of these threats of murder and mayhem as they were when they called parents concerned at school board meetings domestic terrorists. Great point. When they went after the parents, and by the way, just to deviate, I was watching today the January 6th hearings. They're going after saying that the Trump, that Trump and his team were trying to manipulate DOJ and try to politicize DOJ and politicize FBI. Isn't that quite a bit of what we've seen with Merrick Garland? Isn't that quite a bit of what we saw with the whole Russia hoax? But if the Republicans even try to go there, oh, that's terrible. Talk about the double standards there. Now, meantime, Kellyanne Conway is talking about all through this group called Ruth Sent Us. This group is also crazy because they put out the addresses. They've doxxed. They put out there on social media all over the place. They put the home addresses, the schools, the churches, of Supreme Court justices. Here's where their kid goes to school. Here's where you can find them. I mean, this is crazy. And Kellyanne Conway says this group does not represent even Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And many people believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg would be appalled that this group is trying to basically name their actions after her. Take a listen. I'd like to hear from people who were close to Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, maybe some family members, definitely the dozens and dozens of clerks who served her. When they say Ruth sent us, she was not a proponent of violence. She was uh, very close, very close friends with Justice Scalia. Look at Justice Sonia Sotomayor very recently, throwing, I think, a lot of nice words in the direction of Justice Thomas. These are justices who work together 
in comedy, C-O-M-I-T-Y, and don't want there to be murder and mayhem, God forbid. So we have to think very clearly as a democracy that when people threaten lives, action must be taken before something bad happens. Yeah, and preemptively. And again, this White House, the best they can do is say, oh, we really don't really like people riding. We, you know, we just don't accept it. Okay, next question. Now let's talk about windmill farms. I mean, uh, what planet is this president on? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike. Uh, line eight. Mike, your thoughts about all this. How are you, Rita? Congratulations on your wonderful award. And that was a great present for your father for Father's Day. Oh, by but, the way, uh, Mike, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, I, uh, the show, and it's not just mine. It's everybody who works so hard on this show, the Rita Cosby Show. We won Gracie for best talk show in the country, which was wonderful. But I also say it's really because of you guys, the listeners who tune in every night. I tell everybody we have the best listeners and best friends, because you guys are all extended friends, and it's because of you. So thank you for all your hard work and how much you love the show. And we love you, and I love you. I love talking to you every night. And uh, I'm glad that the show is is radio magic, um, and I have so much fun with all of you every night. So thank you, Mike, too. And thank you for remembering my dad, too. I very much appreciate that. And the glory be to God, too. But, um, you know, it's not so much Washington right now. We can contact the governors and have the governors have the uh, National Guard at ready. All Everybody, all American citizens should contact their governors. It's the governors that activate the National Guard. So they, the, the governors, like Hochul, she could reassure the judges and all every New Yorker that there's not going to be any burning or looting or murdering. So we have to contact our governors, everybody, email them. This way you have proof that you contacted them. They have, they'll have no excuse. So they have to have the National Guard at ready if anything just even – even even if there's a sign of anything, you know, so we have to do that. Contact the, the, the governors of America. All the people of America have to do that so so the judges don't feel threatened. No, I agree. And by the way, um, you're right that there needs to be some extra security measures. There is no doubt that it is critical right now that they say we have to be preemptive. We have to have the right people in place. And I actually think, like, if, say, the Supreme Court, you know, comes down tomorrow, it should be something that they have folks ready because those groups, the last time, remember when that leak came out, Mike? I I still think it was a little bit, obviously, extremely orchestrated. I'm being kind because, remember, it was, like, within, like, half an hour because it came down kind of late. I remember it was right before the show one night, and I remember – Suddenly, I'm looking and I'm like, gosh, there's a lot of protesters outside the U.S. Supreme Court. And they have signs that look like they went to a printing company. You know, it wasn't like some spontaneous uh, leak. It looked like it was totally orchestrated. It looked like these groups were totally tipped off. And to that end, if they find out that this is coming down, you know, tomorrow, whenever it is, they're going to be out there. Uh, And now they've had all this time to plan which way it's going to go. And if it goes the way that they don't like it, they're already threatening these things. I mean, I think we need to have a lot of security around the Supreme Court, around all these pro-life centers, around members of Congress that are conservative, clearly Supreme Court justices. Uh, I mean, I think we're into a really, really scary time when you hear these groups 
And these groups that have been destroying property and doing a number of things, putting out addresses, what are they going to put out like a big blanket? Here's, uh, you know, Johnny goes to school at five o'clock. He takes bus number six. He sits on the right side. I mean, you know, I mean, where are we stopping? Where do we draw the line? And the fact that they have not been arrested to me is shocking. And I go back again to what I saw January, the January 6th hearing today, talking about the politicization of the DOJ. And yet this DOJ, Merrick Garland under Joe Biden, has not arrested a single protester that was outside the House of any of the Supreme Court justices threatening action against them. I mean, this to me, the the utter hypocrisy is stunning and it's actually downright dangerous. Uh, Mike, love your calls, always, my friend, and thank you for the sweet words, too. Let's go to Jimmy on line seven. Jimmy, 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 go ahead. Yes, I hope I get the time to explain this. Uh, In one of the commie papers I read all the time, they did a memory lane. They talked about how they organized for the riots worldwide against the World Trade Organization. Then they said how that was the nucleus that built the movement that went out in the street, Occupy Wall Street. Then they said that they're better trained, more experienced, they're organized in hundreds of cities, and if Trump tries to steal the election, they're going to be out in the street bigger and more militant. Well, that organization, that whole network is what came out with the Floyd killing. These are not spontaneous. There are people who show up spontaneously, but the organization, the network, it used to be the phone tree where each person calls 10 people, those 10 call. Now with the Internet and everything else, they could instantly meet hundreds of thousands Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. This is highly, highly organized. So let, let now, me ask you, and, and Jimmy, let me ask you, I'll, I'll definitely get you to expand on that. Um, let me, do you think that given right now the fact that these groups are threatening, again, this is scary, you know, because sadly we've seen nights of rage across the country. We saw it for quite some time in America recently, and it's heartbreaking to see. Um, and they are threatening you know, burning, looting, rioting, uh, nights of, quote, rage. Um, what kind of steps do they need to do to prepare for this? And what do you think the White House should be saying? Because they're not saying much. Rioters are all part of the same movement. The only time the White House will start complaining is if the people rise up. You know, we, we rely on the police and the fire department. If for some crazy reason, it'll never happen. If for some crazy reason, the fire department refuses to do the work, that does not mean we have to sit back and watch the burning. We have a right to get out and put out the fires. We have a right to get out and defend ourselves, to, to defend our cities, to defend our churches. That's one of the reasons we have a Second Amendment is if all hell breaks loose and there's chaos, you know, recently Antifa attacked the Hell's Angels. The Hell's Angels fought back and they won. Yeah, by the way, I'd always put my bet on Hell's Angels. <laughs> I would say they, right. they would be the winners in that one. This is a highly organized movement. They're, they're looking about the next election and then the presidential race coming up. You know, year, years ago, there was spontaneous demonstrations all over the world in support of the cop killer, Angela Davis, who's from the Communist Party. But the Communist press says these spontaneous demonstrations were organized by the Communist parties. That's worldwide. In every country, they had protests. So let me, so let me ask fun- you, are you thinking uh, George Soros or somebody like that is like— uh- you know, gear up and ready well, and get Sor- the signs Soros out there, boys. Of, 
Soros was one of many. One of the groups that are out there big time is the Revolutionary Communist Party. In their own newspaper, and I had photocopies of it, they're talking about – this is already from a couple of years ago. There were like 20 – They were in the paper say there were 25 shootings in Chicago. Then they write, you have to get – you have to – Get out of the street, quit killing each other, and get out of the street and into the revolution. There are better things to fight and die for. They're not telling people to quit killing. They're saying quit killing each other. If they get a small percentage of these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gangbangers involved in political war, we are in serious trouble. And this communist group is working in prisons, working in street gangs. They got funding from Soros. Now, how that works, there's a little bit of money laundering here. There's a group called uh, Global Exchange. So Soros gives money to Global Exchange, which is tax-exempt. Then Global Exchange gives that money to Prisoners Revolutionary Literature Fund. And by, the, and by the way, as you're bringing up also, Jimmy, and you, you hit a lot of points there, but as you're going into Soros, too, of course, we know he's supporting a lot of these soft-on-crime DAs. Um, you know, and there's a lot of Soros money, it seems like, is going around in a lot of different, different ways. Um, but it is a scary thing. If, if this becomes some big orchestrated, organized effort, um, you know, and, and things and they take to the streets as they are claiming, that's a really scary place to be. And to me, it, it is, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I, I always want to see better angels in people. And I'm always kind of hoping, okay, well, you know, they're going to go, oh, no, 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 no. We have to condemn people who are saying they're going to burn and loot and steal. Because that's just common logic. If somebody said to me, hey, I'm planning on doing this, I obviously would say, don't do it. Um, you know, don't you dare go there. And especially if you have the authority of the White House um, and you could have influence over these groups, they have a responsibility to make sure that first and foremost, they are protecting America. They're protecting the homeland. It's like a dereliction of duty. And I've said that about the border, too. This president allowing the border to leak like a sieve and have people come through who have had no criminal background checks, who, you know, many, so many gotaways, and they continue to do it. That's a dereliction of duty. You have to protect our country first and foremost. And you've got people saying that they're going to burn and loot and steal and do all these things. And you just kind of turn a blind eye which is what we basically saw from the Democrats, you know, in 2020. I mean, this is shocking. And to me, I just kind of keep hoping that logic prevails, and I'm not seeing it. And that is a really scary thing as we're heading to midterms, and they are really worried what's going to happen to them in the midterms. Uh, and so they may just keep their mouth shut, and that does not that does not bode well for the streets of America. And that is that, to me, I never thought— that there would be a president who would, like, turn a blind eye to it or a vice president who turned a blind eye to it. And remember, it's the vice president who was giving to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to bail out the protesters in Minnesota. You know, that was the fund that was bailing them all out. So why would we think anything different? I, I guess we shouldn't. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And these groups are looking for more than adventure. They're looking for trouble. And they are even saying 
that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, they're looking to burn, loot, and steal? That's a really scary thing after we have seen a lot of these radical groups and so many riots just destroying America. We've seen them not that long ago. And when you hear this rhetoric, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, which could come as early as tomorrow, uh, we have to be prepared. And this White House and others need to speak up. Their silence and their tepid condemnation is horrible. Shame on them. Let's go to Carol on line eight. Carol, your thoughts about this real quick. Yes. Hi, Rita. Um, I, I think you're really wonderful and sweet and everything, but I don't think we can wait. I think we need to get the Supreme Court surrounded by, um, I can't even think of the, the National the, uh, Guard or something. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. By, by the way, and, Carol, and also, I agree with you. Yes. I, I agree with you. I oh, actually think God we shouldn't wait. You. Yep. Because Pollyanna has, has, has gone, <laughs> to, you know, some fault. And I think we need to act rather than react because these people are not going to play nice and do peace, peaceful protests. They wouldn't waste their time. We've got to expect that they're going to do the worst. And if we get the better than we hoped, then we're, we're, we're 10 miles ahead. But we, we've got to get the National Guard there the first thing in the morning. We've got to get the, the judges, um, families and pets and everything else evacuated, and nobody knows where they're going. And they've got to, so the Guard has to surround their houses because they'll try to do damage to them, too. I, I mean, this is not something we can just, you know— discuss them playing nicely because we've seen they don't play nicely. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I agree, uh, by the way. And you know what? It's scary because I feel like they need to have a message that do not go there because if you do go there, you're going to be in big time trouble. I 1000% agree with you. Um, thanks so much, Carol. Let's go to uh, let's go to Stan real quick. Uh, Stan, uh, line two. Go ahead, my friend, real quick. <laughs> I love that Jimmy man. He gets to be a communist more than anybody else. He's Are you talking about Jimmy? Laugh. Jimmy, our past caller. Oh, that guy is a fruitcake. He's nuts. Oh my, Stan. By the way, you heard what he's called you. He's he's called he's you. Uh, out of it. Every, I told you it's a communist and every. He's called you a cream puff. House, if he's a fruitcake, you're a nuts. cream puff. <laughs> anyway, watch out. He may call you a communist of everything. You know. Oh my God. He, well, but but he he studies it. He's passionate he about say. it. He's he, on that machine quicker. He's a, give me he, a break with he that He loves anyway, this country, you know and I appreciate that. Well, you know more than he knows. Well, um, you know what? I learned from all of you guys. Real quick, Stan, you got a few seconds. Go ahead, okay. my friend. I think they'll do the announcement next week, the getaway week of July 1st. You know, I've thought about that too, Stan, that maybe they will wait until that moment, a holiday weekend, uh, on the, you know, while people are, the fireworks are going off, what, uh... They're going to be throwing Molotov cocktails in the middle of it all. That'll make for one really interesting 4th of July. Let's hope it is calm. Let's hope it's peaceful. And let's hope this White House has the guts to tell them no.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 